Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week we go back and forth from Becky's blockbusters to Dean's art house picks, trying to, well, find a good movie to watch and expand our horizons. Boo, what are we watching this week? Today is, well, it's New Year's Eve today, so happy New Year's Eve. Happy New Year. Hopefully 2021 isn't a shit show like 2020 was, but today... Dean chose the best movie he thought would go with the year 2020 by picking The Purge. I like how you how you phrased that. That I picked this movie. You did. It was more like I absentmindedly thought this would be a funny joke. And then my nightmares came true because, oh my god, this movie is trash. Yeah, the sequels are a little bit better, but again, you chose this, so you gotta live with your choices. Hello, darkness, my old friend. That is, that's how I feel about The Purge. I, I really wish you let you would have let me known that the first Purge movie was actually like not that good. You needed to learn on your own. I feel so sad right now. But yeah, so we watched The Purge for this episode, and I'm gonna let people in on some inside baseball here. This is the second recording we've had to do for this episode because the first one had a lot of yelling and anger yes there was a lot of uh a lot of screaming obscenities profanity dean really went off his rocker i you know i put my tinfoil hat on and i kind of deep dived into the logic of the world and that well i know most of you guys haven't seen dean but dean usually walks around with a tinfoil hat on sitting on his front porch in his rocker just you know swinging back and forth and talking about you know nonsense so to go from that kind of calmness to the rage that he went into in our previous recording yeah it was a bit much for just the purge just just a little bit just a little bit well the issue i found with it is that the logic of the world didn't make a whole lot of sense and then the the themes of the film i felt were getting to the point of it stopped being comment like commentary and started being parody and then it started just being offensive and that was there was a lot of things in that movie that just kind of made me angry i mean what was offending you oh nothing was like offending me it was like offending me how like the commentary was being handled like in that that kind of way okay because the commentary of the film is rich versus the poor and that you know the rich are hunting the poor in these you know nights because of the logic of the film besides the point and there's a whole thing with like race and leaving behind our like our disabled veterans and then it gets to the point at the end of the movie and it's like oh they're being eaten alive from the inside everybody's a terrible person the only good thing about this is that you know if you're rich enough you can just tell your other rich friends to fuck off I don't, I don't know. The ending of the movie, though cathartically fun, just was so weird. It's so, like, out of nowhere. But I mean, you know, if this universe were to happen where they would, the government would enact a purge-like event, you know some people would fully take advantage of it. We'd be in Canada. Or, or Ireland. Pro- probably away from the continental United States during said purge. But you know, that's why it's like you know, you know, something like this 
could happen. Hopefully nothing ever like this passes. This would never happen. There you are... never know. Crazy stuff has happened. 2020 has been a crazy year. I and don't it's taught me think... that the impossible... Yeah, don't underestimate it. I do not think there is a universe where people are this morally bankrupt to where it would be okay to go out and just wantonly murder a bunch of poor people for basically no reason. Also, that's another thing about this movie that annoyed me was we like, okay, I get it. This is basically a home invasion movie. That's a high concept. It's a high concept, like home invasion thriller movie. But the issue was what else were people doing? Cause it has a high emphasis on, these upper class, like, affluent white kids going around and just killing, like, poor, like, minority people in, like, in in the city. Well, yeah, but... we, we have the, the fake Manson family that's running around saying that the, the character that we get that gets saved by the family in the movie, you know, escaped their clutches and he wronged them by killing one of their own but that was because they were attacking him first. So we see how warped people are in this universe where... Well, I, I get it that people are warped, but, like, here, here's the thing. We only see them wanting to murder people. Is yeah. there anyone else in the Purge universe that is, like, you know, murdering ain't my bag, but, like, embezzling millions of dollars from my shitty company? That's kind of It probably is. It, it, that's probably a common theme in the movie. And who knows how these companies are secured you know they could have people that are there that are you know monitoring everything that's happening and oh, okay see we're getting a hit from you know this account this house and they may send people over to the embezzler's house and you know knock them out because again it's it's purge night you know everything I... is legal including murder so well i mean you just get on a boat go out overseas do it online or the other thing is like you could probably just rob banks all night go or go to pawn shops granted you would need to have guns and like whatever and, but we have shown that the security systems in this world are all show no go yeah which is another weird plot point in the movie which is kind of annoying yeah and it's kind of you know embarrassing for our protagonist in the movie uh james sandon pl played by ethan hawk who i guess works for a company that makes these special security systems that you know, keep the affluent people safe in their homes. And uh, one of the, the plot hole or not plot holes, but one of the plot lines that we get in the early bit of the movie is, you know, as he's driving into his gated community with McMansions on every, you know, block. Yeah, every, and, everything in this, everything in this neighborhood is giant. Yeah, there's no, you know, average size homes. It's all McMansions right next to each other. And we're seeing, you know, from his eyes, what his home life is like, and his wife's outside waiting for him. And this, this is when we get to see, you know, a little bit of dialogue between the wife and the neighbor, who says, you know, hey, you know, that wing that you just built into your house, that's pretty much what, you know, our community paid for, because he works for this company, I'm sure he, he walked around and sold, you know, hey, you want to be safe next purge, you know, you, you should, you know, really buy our home security and get it for your house. So everyone buys it. And we learn later in the movie, it's for show. It's not for protection. It's, you know, he, it, he openly admits, he's like, 
Yeah, no, the thing is with the security system is it's supposed to look intimidating. It's supposed to look like Fort Knox, and it's supposed to be a deterrent. It's not actually supposed to mm -hmm. keep people out. Well, it it kind of keeps people out, but not really. If they really wanted to, they can get into the house. Yeah. And I, that's a whole commentary on even if you're rich, you're never safe. Because no. you can live in a gated community, but it, it just takes one brave soul to hop the fence and bust through the front door. Yeah. You know, those alarms go off, but they got five, ten minutes before anybody shows up to help you. Which is, again, it. I get it. The themes of the movie, the poor versus the rich, and like the... I, I guess the... Um, a false sense of security money provides you exactly. is a thing. But because you know they had this giant house, they, this they have weapons, they have everything. They even have numbers, but it doesn't protect them. They they have two kids in the story, and I think one of their kids is in high school, and I think the son is in middle school, maybe starting high school. I don't know. Cause okay, so. You made a point that the daughter does not look like a teenager by any stretch of the definition. No, she looks like she's 16 going on 30. Yeah. And the son, I think he is playing younger than he actually is. Because I don't know how old the actor is, to be honest. He looks like he's like 13 or 14. Mm -hmm. But I think they're trying to have him play like 10. I don't think he's that young. Well, I think that's the... Well, I don't think he's that young either. I think that's what they're trying to portray him as. Because he's, you know... Either that or he has some sort of, like... He might be on, like, some sort of spectrum or whatever. Because he's really weird. He's kind of distant. He has some strange, like, doodads and hobbies. It's just... The thing about him, it's just... he. Are you talking about Tommy? Maybe. Tommy, uh, who is Charlie's creation, which is the, like, charred baby torso that's attached to a tank that he just drives around the house and surveys the house at the same time with it. Yeah, now in my headcanon, he is Sid from Toy Story. Slightly grown up, maybe adopted out into a much nicer family. But yeah, because he's just, the, the kid is just kind of weird right like i'm not i'm not being mean right he's a weird kid he's an odd kid but to be fair he did have a pretty cool you know fallout shelter in his closet another thing which don't get me wrong if i was a kid who lived in that kind of mcmansion i would definitely try and find like like places you can get into the walls because you can... i mean if you were you if you just lived in a mansion like that you would be digging holes in random walls just so you could, like, escape in between different rooms. Yes, I also cannot wait for us to watch people under the stairs, because I'm gonna... You're gonna see the extent of my insanity on uh, that one. Alright. What? You don't like people under the stairs? Come on, it's Wes Craven. It's a classic. But, besides the point. Yeah, there's just, there's just things about this movie that are just super weird. And don't get me wrong, like... Ethan Hawke, Lena Headey, the the kid, they're they're doing their best here. You know, they're acting, they're portraying, you know, that family dynamic. But it and, doesn't ring true, right? Is that just me? Am I crazy? I think it's just you. I, I know you have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of salt going on. Some, <sighs> some serious salt, salt bay in it right now. Yep, that's exactly what we're doing right now. But to be fair, this movie was shot in 19 days with a budget of 2.7 million. So, oh, yeah. you know, they were kind of pressed for time. I think if they had more time, 
It could have, you know, developed the story a little bit better. But this is what we have. Oh, we like... have this, you know, privileged family that's locking down for the night. Some people treat this like a holiday. And when it's really just, you know, what... It's not even a night. It's like, what, seven hours? It's... A... So what? when does it start? It starts at like... Seven... PM and or seven thirty, and I think it resu- ends at seven AM. Something like that. But like I, I get it. All right. Which also kudos to the director, kudos to the crew, because nineteen days, two some million dollars, and they produce this. Yeah, no, that's like like big ups on them. And, really good, good move. And kudos to Ethan Hawke for you know saying, hey, I'm a, I'm your friend and. You need a you know a heavy hitter in the movie. I'll do it for like three grand. Yeah, and granted, like Ethan Hawke, Ethan Hawke is a very interesting like leading man because yeah. he got big doing Richard Linklater films, if I'm not mistaken. I, uh, I that okay. The boo gave me the look of I have no idea who you're talking about. But Pretty much, life happens. But like he he is a, a famous actor and. It's kind of weird when you think about it, because he's a, he's a good actor, but I don't remember a lot of movies he's been in. Like, do you know a couple that, that pop into your head, like, off the top of your head? You know, because I know Boyhood, I know, like, he did, I think, the Before Trilogy or the Conversation Trilogy. A yeah. trilogy of movies with, like, Rich Linklater, and I, that's, like, kind of it. I know he's been in other stuff, I just don't remember. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way, too. It's like, I know I've seen him in movies... But I really can't think of them off the top of my head. This is, like, the first movie that I can actually, like, peg him to. Mm. And, I mean, we see him being, you know, this working dad to going through the house, you know, killing people. So, it's... Okay. We see him, you know, kind of flip. He has an arsenal of of weaponry. Mm -hmm. He is, you know, going through the house like, like... John Rambo killing people left and right. Well, we he's ex- also a terrible shot. Well, we should also explain why he turns into Rambo mid movie. So, oh, well, your your favorite uh, talking point about the the daughter and her boyfriend is that is that what you're talking about? Oh, I, I even forgot about them. So, oh, oh, so, really? Because I remember you had some some heated words for this girl. Well, daughter, she's a pain in the ass. And they're having dinner, and she stomps off to her room because she's so upset. And she's surprised by the fact that her boyfriend stays around after the lockdown occurs. And, you know, they're making out on the bed, and he's telling her, you know, well, I'm not really here to see you. I'm here to speak to your father because I just don't agree with his thoughts on, you know, me, an 18-year-old, dating uh, his 16-year-old daughter. Which, by the way, I mean, you're a cool guy, Dean. You'd be totally fine with an 18-year-old dating your 16-year-old, right? Oh, fuck no. He'd be eating my shotgun. I I think you you misunderstand. Yes, I'm cool guy, Dean, but my family, was, we're country hill people. We, you know, that that's how you get a shotgun wedding. There's more than a few shotgun weddings in my family tree, honey. Dude, you've grown up in Southern California your whole life. You're not, you know... Yeah, I know. I know I grew up in Southern California. (laughs) My extended family did not grow up in Southern California. There's an extended history of of shotgun weddings in the the Smith line. Well, whatever. But we're talking about you. Cool guy Dean. Oh, no. From SoCal. Not not okay with that. Listen to my sublime. Absolutely not okay with that, no. Eating the calzone. God, no. Okay. I mean, I granted, I would also... 
not i wouldn't be okay with my daughter dating in general because i'm i'm that dad who you know has the mindset of a 1950s andy griffin show but whatever well while you're sitting down on the crick let me tell everybody else you know so the boyfriend's there and he's telling her i need to speak to your father because i don't agree with this and which is you know red flag because it's purge night it's not going to be some civil talk. It's going to be And there's hostile. no way she felt his junk rubbing against her leg. That was definitely a gun. That was a gun. And th- this is where we really start to hit the wall because we have the boyfriend there ready to talk to her father. We have the son that who is, you know, doing more surveillance than the father is because he's got, you know, Tommy running around and then he sees something on his dad's you know, the six-monitor setup that he has in his office. I mean, who doesn't have a six-monitor setup in their office? I mean, I have a four-monitor setup, but that's because I'm a poor person. But anyway, he catches, you know, someone running down the street screaming for help, and this is where we see, you know, that moral struggle of do I sit here and do nothing or do I risk everything and help somebody in need? And he chooses to help somebody in need, which, you know infuriates his parents because you know you just de-armed the house you let a stranger in and that's when all hell breaks loose also he gets in the dad's there he's like yo we're gonna send you outside you can't stay here and then the boyfriend comes in and just starts shooting from the hip and then you know the, the gunfight in the movie i think only takes like 10 seconds oh they- yeah it's a very fast fight i think they, a piece they get like two rounds off two three whatever something something like that it, it's a quick firefight then they turn around and the and the guy the homeless guy they let in is gone and meanwhile the daughter is you know pulling her boyfriend up the stairs to safety and you know her dad's just kind of like you know are you okay you know did i i did i hit my daughter and she's like i gotta get my mans out of here well well boo i mean if i took shots at your father and your father shot back at me you know what 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 would you do in that situation I just bounce and be like, you know, I can't handle your guys' drama. I'm out of here. You guys figure it out. Uh, so much love for my sweet Juliet. But <sighs> the the thing is, is that's another thing. So this this guy, he just dips into a like the living room and then they can't find him. Because this, this house feels like it just gets infinitely bigger the longer... Well, it's an abyss because this house, you know, gets people breaking into the house and there's so many people running throughout the house, yet no one ever manages to run into each other. No one hears gunfire. No one hears fighting. So this house has to be, you know, like a 50-bedroom house. It feels like that in some parts because it's like everyone has their own room. There's offices. There's a game room we don't see until the very end of the movie. The dining room is huge, and then there's like there's a whole kitchen. That this house feels infinite. Yeah, and that's another thing where like okay, I enjoy those single location kind of movies. Mm-hmm. Like um, Saw is kind of like that. Granted, it bounces outside of that single location, but there's other movies like that. Um, Cube, Nine Dead, things like that, where it's a single location film. Um, Reservoir Dogs is another film like that, and this film feels like it was trying to be a single location movie and then they realized that their location was only good for like five scenes 
Yeah. And then they were like, yo, we, we ran out of rooms. And then they were like, eh, screw it. Just dress up some of the rooms and we'll just redo it again. We'll make the house huge. I, I don't know. The, the movie, just, there's a lot of weird continuity things in the movie. There's some logic leaps in the movie. Uh, the acting is okay from half the cast. And the other half feels like they're very aware they're in this kind of bad genre flick. And it's like, it's serviceable, but I probably would not watch it again. Yeah, I mean, I, I've watched it, you know, when I'm bored, if it's on TV. You know, I'll, I'll flip it on for a little bit. I mean, the action's pretty good in it. Ethan Hawke turns into Rambo because we've got this guy that is let into the house who's being chased by a group of weird, preppy, wannabe Manson, you know, family people. So... The, the, um, the very, very very rich version of like a jim jones kind of cult family i don't it's like preppy waco is what they're trying to do preppy mansons because the director uh james demonico i guess he was like really obsessed with like the manson family history so that's where we get you know the girls in the white dresses why am i not surprised yeah, so it's it's creepy because, you know, that's kind of a thing here in L.A. that with the Manson killings. So we've got that history here. My dad remembers when those happened. He, yeah, my mom too. Yeah. It was really weird because my... So my dad, his they used to go up in the Hollywood Hills or whatever all the... Like, when he was, like, way younger. I, yeah. Um, I think going, like, camping or whatever. And he knew where the ranch was. Mm-hmm. He, he never you know been there but he knew that hey the weird hippie folk they, they're up in that ranch yeah. or whatever because he was like nine when the manson stuff happened so when they were like little little and go with like the boy scouts and go up the hills and camp yeah. and they knew not to go to the other side of the trail because that's where yeah. all the hippies are but yeah so you know creepy la history for you yeah but we've got them in the movie and they're after this stranger that's led into the house because they wanted to kill him for seeing him on the streets after the the sirens went off. And we're not sure if he's homeless or not. Uh, Dean, you you thought he was because his coat was torn up and Well, it's, I, I'm not sure if you know maybe that got torn during the fight with the preppy people that we didn't see. My logic on his okay, cuz the guy that comes in I think this is actually a really good point of filmmaking here because a lot of his wardrobe performance and little details about his wear and movement tell us a lot about him and also kind of knowing the the themology about it, it informs me a little bit about the character because you look at him, he's wearing that kind of gruffy green like pseudo army jacket, Mm -hmm. he has the dog tags on, his clothes are worn they're not they're not like fresh like everybody else is in the movie they're they're worn through like you you know you can tell he's been wearing them for a while and maybe he's not homeless but he's definitely poorer he has the dog tags on so he's a veteran and the implication is that he couldn't afford a fancy security system to keep out all the preppy people coming to hunt him so he might not be homeless but he's definitely like poor he's a a forgotten veteran yeah and the whole context is oh this is how you know the rich society treats you know poor people veterans um or people the... of color it's he's like that character is an accumulation of all the people that the director i guess thematically feels beaten down by rich affluent society 
Yeah. And that's where I'm inferring that too. He might not he might not be homeless. That's just like where that's going. And that's all coming through like the guy's performance, the guy's clothing, yeah, the wardrobe, all that. Cuz it could be something as simple as, you know, he got let out of work around the time that this happened and I maybe can't. got, you know, I stranded. would just call out. If yeah. it was purge day and I'm like, "Yo, you're really going to keep me here till 6:50 and yeah. purge starts at 7?" Look, McDonald's, like calm down here. Also, do you think like like certain companies actually do that because they're trying to like weed out before payroll? Possibly. I mean, it, hey, everything's that, legal. That's anarcho-capitalism right there. Hey, we don't have to pay you if you are dead. Yeah, exactly. there you go. But they'd still call you in the next day to clean up. But, like just because you're dead, you know, come clean up this blood. More more logical leaps of this film because there is definitely definitely a purge specific janitorial service there's gotta be because i mean there's just dead bodies everywhere there's gotta be some pop-up companies that have happened that are just like you know what if we don't come within an hour all your dead body reclaiming is free Mm. oh yeah like again the whole thing about the i just don't i just don't get this movie like granted i can enjoy i can turn my brain off i can watch it and the performances are good enough to keep me, like, entertained and the action is interesting enough and the drama is dramatic enough yeah. to where I'm like, yeah, this is this is fine. This is a fine thriller, you know, kind of kind of scenario. But I don't know. There's just something about this movie that just feels off to me. Yeah, it's a little weird. Sequels are better, again. But, you know, we, we get some cool kills once the, the preppy people managed to get into the house because you know the security system really isn't you know what we think it's supposed to be so i think they bring in what is it one truck or two trucks i don't that's another weird thing because they get these chains they hook them onto something on the outside of the door which is i don't know what and they just yank them off with like a pickup I think so. That's why I wasn't sure if it was one or two trucks. I think it was just the one truck. Yeah, it was the one truck, but I guess it was a bunch of different trucks, and because they all the walls and windows and all that stuff got ripped off at the same time. Yeah, so you know they finally make entry. There's people running, you know, in and out of the house, breaking through windows, and you know occasionally, you know, one of our family members there encounters one of these strangers. But it's very rare because people are just running around the house. You know, the strangers, they're giving each other piggyback rides. It's just, again, to go with the house is an abyss, basically. It just yeah. keeps going. Also, they could have just, the family could have just gone into the basement. Ethan Hawke's got a shotgun. They got a couple of pistols. You just, you just sit aiming that shotgun at that door. And if that door moves, you just unload a barrel in there. And then you just, you just wait them out. Or these creepy preppy killers could have just lit the house on fire. And that's why you're in the basement. Like the if they lit the the house on fire and they're in the basement and we'll say they don't they don't know they're in the basement yeah. for the sake of this. If they just like lit the house on fire, they'd probably be able to survive in the in the basement at least for a little bit as long as the floor as long as the ceiling didn't collapse on them. And a house that like like that, it'd probably hold up pretty well in a fire. Mostly because there has to be a giant metal framing on that building for the steel doors to go down. Yeah. Which also, they're like six inch steel doors. How, 
like I I work moving steel for for like a living. Little side note about that. Yeah, no, you ain't you ain't gonna move that with a pickup. That's not happening. Maybe it was an authentic steel. Is that off-brand like that off-brand generic? Oh, jeez. So yeah, I got. So I can keep rambling about things about this movie that annoy me, but it's not really gonna get us anywhere here. No, so you know we have that. We have the people finally in the house. Uh, the main preppy guy ends up killing Ethan Hawke. I mean, Ethan Hawke went a, a long time in the house, you know, gunning people down, uh, beating people with the pool cues. Kung fu fighting? Yeah, and he ultimately, you know, succumbs and dies. And he, a lot of the help that the family gets, because they're, they're round up by the, the killers, uh, their neighbors show up. And we're thinking, oh, great, you know, the neighbors are here. They're going to, you know, come save the day. Unity. No, the, the neighbors are saying, they're ours. We're going to kill them one by one. And this is when we see, you know, the the shift in the movie of, you know, well, I thought, you know, we're neighbors. We're like one big, you know, happy family in this gated community. This and they're like, feels we can't, telegraphed, right? And, and they're like, we can't stand you. You have more money than us. We hate you. And it's like, it's like, dude, you live in a mansion. What are you bitching about? This is another thing. That ending feels telegraphed to me. Because at the beginning of the movie, we see the the neighbors, and the neighbors are acting overly nice, and it feels kind of like culty. I guess that's the thing, the cult of wealth. Once you have wealth, you, have, you act a certain way to keep that wealth, and appearances, and all this other stuff. And that one neighbor that was talking to the wife when she says, you know, here, I brought you these plate of cookies. The foreshadowing in that scene. Jesus Christ. It's like, Christ. what if those cookies were poisoned? That's another question. If you poison somebody... Let's say, you give somebody poison food, right, for purge night. Yeah. They eat they eat it, but they don't die until after purge is over. Do you go to jail for murder? Or what if you got the food, they had it throughout the purge night, but they didn't eat it until the next day after the purge. Do you go to jail for murder? Yeah, because it's after. Okay, what if they ate it before the purge? It was ingested at, like, 6.30, but they don't die till like, 7.30. Death didn't occur until after the purge. I feel the legal system in this world is ridiculous. But yeah, so the, the neighbors turning, it's foreshadowed in the beginning of the movie and it feels like kind of this thing where I was expecting something like that to happen, but then we had this home invasion thing and I was like, okay, nah, that's whatever. And then it does happen and I'm like, okay, yeah. And it, the ending is like nice because... The, Lena Heading manages to get the upper hand. The mom gets the upper hand. Yeah. The, um, the stranger helps her and protects the family. And she decides she doesn't want to kill the neighbors. She wants to, you know, make it through to the next morning. She wants them to wallow and have the realization that you almost killed your neighbor and you're going to have to see them. Every day. Every day. And you have to live with that guilt and also all this other, like, And possibly that fear of, you know, her coming after you next purge day. I'd move. Yeah. Would, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. I'd be out of there. Uh, also, the insurance... How does insurance work? Because that house was messed up. I'm sure there's probably some special purge coverage that, you know, takes place in this world. God, the premium must be insane. But, again, logic things. So, I I think I'm done with the purge. I, I think I'm done. 
if you want to go any any deeper, you no, can go no, deeper. No, if you I, want I, any to do your traditional factoid no, trivia, go but, for it. But I'm done. No, there's not a lot of you know factoids for this movie because it's something was that was so small scale. Mm-hmm. But um, Purge is supposed to take place in 2022, so I hope nothing happens from now until 2022 where we would you know have something happen like this. But yeah, there, there's not too much to say about it. I mean, it it made a, a huge impact at, like, Halloween Horror Nights. It's been a staple there where we've had either mazes for it or scare zones. So it's become very popular in, you know, media culture. But it's an alright movie. I wanted you to experience it, so I was kind of glad that you recommended it. I absentmindedly recommended it. I thought this movie was... Um... I thought this was more kind of like a fun action thriller movie, and I found out it was, but there are certain things about the world, the continuity, and other things that I said before that make it a little bit of a weird watch. Maybe It's not bad by any... I've seen bad movies. This isn't a bad movie. It's just not a really great movie it's a fine movie it's okay you can put this on and be entertained by it yeah so with you know ending that do you want to tell everybody what we're going to be doing for the month of january i would but i believe it'll be your pick for the month of january so why don't you give it a shot all right so for january we're doing a theme month which is going to be guilty pleasures but and this is a big but we are not going to know what the other one picks until the end of each episode. So I'm going first for Guilty Pleasure Month. So little drum roll, please. Da, 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 da. My pick for first Guilty Pleasures is Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann Oh, Romeo plus Juliet? Really? Yeah. It's a good movie. And I am not guilty about liking this movie. Oh, God. And don't give me that look, because you've made me watch some pretty bad movies, so... Eraserhead is a classic, but, <sighs> okay, Romeo plus... Oh, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. Woo. We're about to go back to Freshman English, boys. Freshman English... Oh. I mean, I could let you borrow my Romeo and Juliet CD, because that, that soundtrack like was soundtrack? fire. You have yes. the soundtrack? Oh, yeah. That's a great soundtrack. I wasn't alive when the soundtrack came out. Yes, you were. Romeo and Juliet came out in, what, 96? Yeah, so you were alive. Oh, God. Oh, God. So, wait for this, folks, because I'm sure we're both going to, you know, be coming out for blood for each other, so... I can't wait for you to get to my pick. I'm a little scared, but it's all right. Well... It's been brought... It has been. And we'll be uh, seeing what comes next on the next episode of the Film Club Podcast. Have a happy new year. Happy new year. We'll see you next week at the Film Club.